Hey everyone, before we begin this episode of Fish, we just want to let you know that we're starting a whole new thing. Yes, and that thing is Facebook Live, and it's going to be every Monday at 5 in the afternoon, British time, and we're going to be on Facebook. We're going to be streaming a video of ourselves at facebook.com slash no such thing as a fish, where we talk about the past week's episode. That's the idea. We always, when we put these episodes out, get lots of emails, lots of tweets, uh, lots of people in the streets running up to us and shouting that we got things right, we got things wrong, they want to add things, and we thought, why don't we turn it into a sort of post-episode book club where we talk about the previous week's episode so come there armed with your facts with your questions with your complaints you know if you you think someone says something stupid if dan said another fact that wasn't true if you think we missed a joke we quite often get tweets or emails saying i can't believe you didn't make this joke yeah maybe don't bring the abuse bit about my facts but everything else (laughs) absolutely yep so we'll be there 5 p.m british time it's facebook.com slash no such thing as a fish and uh we hope to see you there so yeah on with the show Hello and welcome to another episode of No Such Thing as a Fish, a weekly podcast coming to you from the QI offices in Covent Garden. My name is Dan Schreiber and I am sitting here with James Harkin, Andrew Hunter-Murray and Anna Chizinski. And once again, we have gathered round the microphones with our four favorite facts from the last seven days. And in no particular order, here we go. Starting with you, James Harkin. Okay, my fact this week is that Guinness World Records have entries for most mousetraps released on the tongue, most matchsticks extinguished by the tongue, and most fan blades stopped by the tongue. Wow. Is it all the same guy? No, different guys. Most mousetraps released on the tongue. And yeah. does it mean the mousetrap is on the tongue, or does, does the tongue made no. its way into the mousetrap? That wouldn't be very impressive, would if it? If you just balanced a mousetrap on your tongue and then it snapped against air in your mouth. Yeah, yeah. it's no. really not that. It's literally getting a mousetrap, sticking your tongue in it, and it just going snap. Wow. Uh, um, what is the record? What's the most... The record is 53... Uh, and it was done by a guy called whose surname is Casey I can't remember his first name and weirdly he did it at the Maryland Renaissance Festival um, where they <laughs> where they reenact things that happened during the Renaissance oh, yeah 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 <laughs> that famous yeah I think that was under Louis the 14th wasn't it yeah. there's a uh, tongue record that's missing from your there's list a few, there yeah go on yeah this is my favourite one the most blow torches extinguished with a tongue in one minute so yeah. I want to compare matches to blowtorches then. Yeah. How many blowtorches? Uh, 48 in wow. one minute. In one minute? In one wow. minute. It's this Australian guy from Byron Bay called Shane, but spelled C-H, Shane Holtgren. He had a blowtorch in each hand, and he was putting them out with his tongue, uh, and he did 48 in one minute. Did you know that Shane <laughs> Holtgren is married to Zoe Ellis? who holds a record for most mouse traps released on the tongue in one minute, open brackets, female, close brackets. <laughs> no. Yeah, so they wow. have a talented tongue. Did they family. meet at that that uh, convention or whatever yeah, it was? and he said, <laughs> <laughs> what? Just why? Why? 
do why, we, why did they marry? Why did they do? Why do they do this stuff? Because they want to get in the Guinness Book of Records. That's fair enough. So, for instance, the guy who did the most matchsticks extinguished mm. uh, is a guy called Ashrita Furman, and he holds record for the most Guinness World Records. And basically, he just tries to beat as many world records as he can. Wow. Um, so he also has records like um, pogo stick jumping underwater longest duration. Underwater, okay. Much yeah. easier underwater, really. See, I think isn't that trivialises the good name of the stopping a fan blade with your tongue. <laughs> Guinness World Record. You think yeah. So? yeah. Uh, hopscotch most games in one hour. How many do you think that is? Four. Twenty. Uh, well, how, I don't know how long a game of hopscotch takes. Really? Me neither. I can't no, remember how I it starts don't. or finishes. Three thousand six hundred seconds in an hour. How long does it take to play a game of hopscotch? Well, surely you can have unlimited people playing hopscotch, in which case it could take forever. But if there's just one of you, then you could do a game but, every minute. Well, I think if you're trying to beat the record, you probably don't want uh, infinite <laughs> number of people playing. Uh, okay. He probably did it on his own. Hang uh, on, let's, I'm going to say it takes twenty seconds to play a game of hopscotch. Oh, so you play Do you know games. the rules of hopscotch? <laughs> I think we've ascertained I don't. So I think what you do, if my memory serves is you throw a little stone yeah. onto the number one and then you hopscotch it around and then you come and pick it up and then you throw it onto the two and then you hopscotch round and then you do ah. three four five six seven eight that is, is that correct. right anna that why, is correct why do you have to throw a stone to get onto the well that's thing. the game it's just the game because if it's you don't like, get it why do i have to hit this tennis ball over the net what's, <laughs> it, what's even the point it just keeps coming back but if you miss do you have to throw again if you miss if you miss the one if i'm throwing my yeah stone you at the do one, if you if you're playing against another person, say you and I were playing and yeah. you missed the two, then it would be my turn to aim for the one, mm. and it would be whoever completes it first. I think I can see why tennis took off in a bigger way. <laughs> to be honest, I think if you're missing the one, you're not made for that game. Anymore. <laughs> All right, okay, it's true. But... It's one of those. It gets progressively harder because the ten is further away from the one. <laughs> All right, but I'm going to say it takes five minutes to play a game of hopscotch. So I think he did twelve in an hour. He did thirty-three. Thirty-three. Uh, I said forty. Did I say you said twenty? Great. <laughs> it's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, but this guy, Furman, is quite good because he invents new things to beat records in. Ah, um, okay. So he invented a thing called land rowing, where you basically get a indoor rowing machine, you put wheels on it, and then you try and go as far as possible or as quick as possible. And he got the record in that because he invented it. Mm. But did Guinness accept his invented new criteria, this biggest weirdo in the playground who keeps on making up new records to break it's don't they decide yeah you would think that i reckon he must have friends on the inside right yeah. yeah i think he's broken so many records they kind of like him and they accept some of his more unusual because they they must see his number come up on the guinness phone <laughs> system in the office and go oh no what's he's, he thought of this time he's like most phone calls to guinness <laughs> <laughs> but other rules about what you can do in terms of um because they haven't got like the record for the fastest anyone's chopped their own hand off. Yeah. So where does it stop? Because you can put uh, out a blowtorch yeah. on your well, tongue, which I presume is quite painful. Yeah. So they tend to accept quite a lot of things until someone says, no, this is dangerous. So, for instance, they stopped um, obese animals quite recently. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, because there was always people saying, my cat is, you know, <laughs> the fattest cat ever. Uh, and then they said, well, actually, it's not very good to feed your cat Mars bars all the time, so maybe we shouldn't have this <laughs> record anymore. With the uh, record for stopping fan blades, yep. are we talking ceiling fan? <laughs> or one of those fans where you'd have to put your tongue in between the bits of caging in yeah. order to get Surely to it. Surely it's a little handheld fan. I, that- I have a feeling it isn't. My, I've seen a photo of it, but my memory... My visual memory isn't good enough to remember what it looked like, but I have a feeling it was quite a big fan. Right. Like a big sort of one that you would get in a warehouse. 
Come on. Imagine you're at a rave and they have it's getting really hot in there, and so they get some kind of industrial fans to put in the corner. Yeah, so it was implausible from when you said, "Imagine you're at a rave," <laughs> unless I'm there in an administrative capacity. <laughs> I, the only rave I ever went to, I got kicked out of for sleeping on the floor. <laughs> I, and I was the one who got in trouble. I woke up, everyone was doing drugs around me, and they're like, hey, you can't do that in here. <laughs> Have you heard about the record for the longest tongue? This is another Guinness record. Mm. Oh, yeah. um, okay, so the average tongue, the oh. average person's tongue, is 10 centimetres on the back of the throat, right? The point is called the oropharynx. It's where it joins the back of your mouth. Okay. Um, the man with the world's longest tongue as of 2015 was a guy called Nick Sturbel and he has a tongue which when his mouth is closed extends 10 centimetres out of his mouth when so it's, it's like he's got an entire whole normal tongue outside his mouth but not when his mouth is closed because when his mouth is closed it'll be inside his mouth you mean yeah. when his mouth is closed around his tongue can he put Thank it back you, in Anna. he can put it back in his mouth yes presumably. he can put it back in his mouth does yeah. he roll it up like a party no boy? he doesn't roll it up like a thing <laughs> he's missing a trick then he well, how does he fit it's... it in well, he says it's perfectly comfortable, doesn't he? Yeah. Because I would have thought that would be really uncomfortable. He doesn't know any different, does he? <laughs> like, that's a really good point. He, do you know what he uses his tongue for? <laughs> <laughs> He's a respectable man. Um, uh, he, he, um, he advertises on it. Uh, oh, what, he, like little banners? Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> that would be cool. Does he pretend to have a party, but party popper, you know, those things you blow, but he doesn't, it's just his tongue. It, that's not what he does, no. Oh, does he use it to point directions to strangers <laughs> when he has both his hands full? Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't. You're one letter off with pointing, though. Um, he, he paints with it. Oh, so he said yeah. that he made the good argument that a gift is something that you're born with, you get given, but to turn it into a talent, you have to use it in the best way you can, mm. is his philosophy. Cool. So he's taken to painting with his tongue and um, he calls it licking so if he did in fact <laughs> does say, he? how did he come up with that that's really good he's not how do you say it again licking yeah so he'll say I licked his favourite animal is a beaver he claimed to oh, uh, I know because he's got a sense of humour this guy um, so he'll say you know I just licked a beaver and that'll be he just painted a beaver oh, okay. but we have yeah. a word for painting things yeah. not with the tongue though this guy can call it whatever he likes we he's the one doing it yeah, but, but licking is has yeah. taken it's but done. Just, that's not how it works with words. But <laughs> it does have to. It does have to wrap his tongue in cling film before he dips it in the paint. Does that he? makes sense because the paint is acrylic, or it, who knows, it might be lead-based paint that he uses. <laughs> Either way, he then has to lick the canvas with a paint cling yeah. film covered paint covered tongue. Because he was inspired by someone he saw on YouTube, an Indian man who painted with his tongue, but who also got quite bad toxic fume poisoning. <laughs> so he decided to avoid that. But do you know who he says his favourite artist is when he was asked who his favourite artist was? Uh, his second favourite is Picasso. Picasso. Uh, oh. Yeah. Can you give us a clue? Um, it's, is it someone like Picasso? Is it one of those elephants? Oh, you're, that's unbelievably close. My clue is that Dan's really close. Uh, the, oh. the monkey, Bubbles. Coco, the gorilla. Oh. So, yeah. Yeah. Very good. On tongues, um, yeah. there's a job which is a baby food taster. And mm. I was reading, I think it was in The Guardian, a woman called Beth Anderson wrote a piece about what it's like being a baby food taster. So she's a super <laughs> taster, which we've talked about before, which is people who have many times more taste buds on their tongues than normal people. And she's just, her company has just insured her tongue for a million pounds. Wow. So valuable is her tasting ability. So that if she accidentally is looking at, near the skirting board and there's a mousetrap down there. <laughs> and she dives into a tongue first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she says she really tries to get into the mindset of a baby when oh, she tastes on. it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Wearing a nappy. Throwing up on her mum. Yeah. <laughs> Sucking on people's nipples. No, she doesn't. <laughs> 
She just says she makes a real effort to get into the mindset of a baby. So each time she puts a spoonful of pureed shepherd's pie in her mouth, she tries to remember being six months old again. Um, just about like skillful tongues. Um, there's a guy called Glinieki. I can't remember his first name either. Um, but he is one of the record holders in tying a cherry stem with his tongue. Do you know oh, this kind of yeah, trick that yeah. people do? Yeah, yeah. Um, so his um, the first time he ever tried it was in a bar in uh, Florida, and it took him 20 minutes to do just one of them. Uh, and now his record is 679 stems in an hour. Wow. 679 stems in an hour? Yeah, that's no a lot, right? No way. Well, way. No way. Wow. That's so one that's... every six seconds. That's good, isn't it? But then, apparently, he says, um, you, if you try it, you'll get faster with practice, but if you master the skill, be prepared for relentless sexual subtext that comes with it. Yeah. Oh, poor guy. I bet he's really hating that. Yeah. Did he invent that practice? No, he didn't. Oh, As in, okay. it's a reasonably common thing. I remember yeah. hearing about it when I was a kid. Me so. too, yeah. Apparently, you put it in your mouth, you fold it over by folding your tongue over. You know, like folding it backwards. And then you somehow manipulate the ends so that it goes into a loop. Yeah. This is what, so my brother does it. And then he's like, it's really easy. You just fold it backwards with your tongue. And then you're like, yeah, I've got that bit. And then you go, and then you just weave one bit through the other. (laughs) (laughs) What am I using to do that? Yeah. My epiglossis. (laughs) (laughs) Knock it in with that. If you are a sommelier, Mm. do you know what you should be doing with your tongue to keep it match fit? Okay, so we're talking wine tasting here, are we? We are. Um, You should dip it in olive oil once a day. That's nice. Should you hang it it out of your mouth as often as possible so it gets aired? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Is it it that you rub it with something or you treat it with something? Sort of, yeah. Uh, What they they do... We don't know, Dan. Well, I know know the one that I've got on the paper, but you might have all suggested correct answers as well. I I, I phrase that really badly. I'm not informed (laughs) on what you shouldn't do. Um, The answer is is that uh, you should lick rocks. Oh, come on. What does that do? Neutralizes. um, It's to train their palate. So I guess it clears them, it roughs it up, maybe it releases sort of things, but that's what they recommend. It's this new book that's come out called Cork Dork, and that's what you call um, obsessive sommeliers. Cork dorks. Cork dogs. That's yeah. great. Yeah, so the cork dorks, they lick rocks. Um, they do tasting sessions at 10 a.m., which they call tongue cardio. What? 10 a.m.? Yeah. <laughs> tongue the magic hour for the tongue. <laughs> tongue cardio, yeah. <laughs> Can I just say one thing about tongue prints? Mm-hmm. Uh, I read an article, this was in a scientific journal, about how tongue prints might be a good thing to use instead of fingerprints. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they said it's good because you can stick it out of your mouth for inspection. Uh, otherwise, it's well protected in your mouth. <laughs> so, you know, you keep it protected, but then you can stick it out. Uh, it's difficult to forge, according to them. Um, <laughs> the, according to them, the act of physically reaching or thrusting it out is a convincing proof for liveness. In a person as well. That I've makes a lot I've of always, sense. I've always said that. Yeah. Whereas if what you mean if you're sort of in a passport queue and you're holding your <laughs> person you've just murdered by the arm, you can shove their finger onto the print thing, yeah, and no one will be any the wiser. Exactly. Yeah. Does the, does it not suffer though from? Remember, there's that fact about how people in pineapple factories were uh, losing their fingerprints yeah. because of the acidic quality of the pineapple. Mm, there's an enzyme in it, yeah. Yeah, and so and isn't there another fact that pineapples kind of eat our tongues as we're eating it? So yeah. wouldn't you be altering your fingerprints every time you had a pineapple? Yeah, but then it's the same problem with the fingerprints, so it's no more problems than you already had. Kind of, except all of it's, us don't work in a 
pineapple factory. But all of us don't eat pineapples constantly either. Presumably you're touching pineapples with your fingers as much as you're eating them unless people are feeding you pineapples whenever you eat them. I just, I would hate to like lose a case because the guy who robbed my house has a big love of pineapples. Mm-hmm. Why, why, why would he have left his tongue print? Unless unless you had a collection of rocks that he loved and he was a sommelier. Maybe he did some painting at my house. Thought... <laughs> When are you going to dust for tongue print? First look, if you're a sommelier, you decide to rob a geologist's house. (laughs) Okay, it is time for fact number two, and that is my fact. My fact this week is that Pope John Paul II's Pope Mobile can be hired out for stag do's and hen do's. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the one that was built when he visited Ireland in 1979. And it was built by these two guys who were given a brief to build it. They weren't given too much money to build it. So some of the things that... Well, it's, it was a problem because some of the things that are attached to the modern Pope Mobile that Pope Francis uses, i.e. bulletproof glass... Uh, was not affordable for the one because no one was willing to pay for it and it cost like £200,000. They asked the government for the money, didn't they? But it never made it into their account. Yep, exactly. Mm. So instead they used shatterproof glass and one of the builders said, so, you know, if a fellow threw a stone at the vehicle, the glass (laughs) wouldn't break. (laughs) That was the level of protection that the Irish Pope Mobile was giving. But so, yeah, so um, (laughs) once he left... The Pope Mobile remained in Ireland and it went to a museum. There were two of them, and they decided that it would be fun to rent them out for stag do's and hen parties. And that's what's done. And it, it still includes the original chair that the Pope sat on inside the actual uh, so, uh, car. What does it look like? Is it like the. Because I think of the Pope Mobile as being a, basically a bubble. You're, uh, so, yeah, car. you're thinking of like the golf buggy yes. version of the Pope. There's many, ver- like the Batmobile, there are many, many different <laughs> no, versions. there's only one version of the Batmobile. No, there's plenty. You've got the mm. the Adam West Batmobile, yeah. you have the Christian Bale. But they all Bale. look the same, don't they? They look nothing they're like each other. They're all black. No, they are, they're not. They're basically the same. Guys, yeah. they're not. Look at photos. <laughs> I can't believe we're having this chat. They are completely different. How do you know it's a Batmobile then? Because Batman's in it. There are two. There are two. <laughs> does, does any car become a Batmobile? Yeah, then? for the purposes of he's. So if I gave him a lift in my mini. You have to become a Batmobile. Yeah. If he has to get a train to a crime, does that become the Bat train? <laughs> it's still mobile, so it would be a mobile. Well, he has, oh, yeah, yeah. True, yeah. He has a Bat copter, the helicopter. Right. Yeah. yeah. So there's, you just put Batman in it and it belongs to it. So same with the Pope. Same deal with the Pope. You put Pope in any car, <laughs> any it becomes a Pope mobile. Yeah. So what do these stag and hen do's? Because surely it can only fit one person in it. No, it's so a pretty this... boring stag do. No, Very you good put the cool. stag in it and everyone else stands either side of it kind of <laughs> throws rocks at it <laughs> so what it had was a sort of a truck-like area where 15 people could sit inside including the pope and then it had a balcony of sorts where the pope came out to on the front to wave to people with a hand railings to make sure he didn't fall uh that's why it can be lent out to stag dudes because mm. up to 15 people or 16 people can be inside of it um, but um, it cost, it was 300 euros an hour to yeah. rent, wasn't it? Yes. Um, and they, they kind of suss out what kind of stag do you're going to be, because obviously they want a bit of respect in the Pope's chair. Uh, yeah, you were t- Yeah, they said we'll be selective about who we choose. Will but they? I don't know how selective you can be with stag do's. Anything mm. that's marketing itself as a stag do. Oh, I don't know. I've been on some pretty respectful <laughs> stag do's. <laughs> you were only invited for the admin, though, weren't you? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I did the accounts and the billing stuff in the corner. Whatever. Oh, dear. Um, but Pope John Paul said he didn't even like the name Pope Mobile. 
he asked the media not to use the word Popemobile because he thought it was undignified. Mm. So imagine if he could have found out what would happen to it after that. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah, and same with Pope Francis in the modern one. They all hate the word Popemobile because they think it sounds, as you say, a bit yeah. sort of... Actually, so- Pope Francis doesn't uh, doesn't like it at all, does he? Mm. He's, he's very modest and he thinks that he you shouldn't be rolling around in this grand thing, especially for you. And he mostly just uses the vehicles that the Vatican has. It's got like a bunch of vehicles you can rent out. He drives himself around town on his own. He prefers to be out in the open so he has an open top because there was an assassination attempt and so since then they were often bulletproof and stuff but Mm. he's like no I want to feel closer to my people so he just stands in an open top car he told reporters it's true anything could happen but let's face it at my age I don't have much to lose Yeah, it's a very relaxed attitude. Yeah, yeah. And he, so the the current one that he has, you always see it going at about ten miles an hour. But if it needs to make a sudden escape, it can go up to one hundred and sixty miles per hour. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it could just jet away at one hundred and sixty. I think that was the last post, wasn't it? The golf buggy type one. Uh, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, There's no way that 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 something that unaerodynamic could get up to a hundred and (laughs) sixty. Yeah, it's impossible. I think wings come out the side (laughs) and it just balances it. But he's not driving it, so he'll just sit in the box. No, the Pope doesn't drive the Batmobile. I thought you said. No, that's you're mixing up Batman. (laughs) (laughs) You said he drives himself around. Do you mean in his little car? I said that, and that's the latest one. Drives himself around, just in the rental car. Just rents a car. It's Vatican, special Vatican cars that they have. And they know, have their the own license plates, don't they? Yeah. They all have a special Vatican City license plate it's number. CV1, which stands for Stato della Città del Vaticano, which just means Vatican City, basically. But the locals, it, the local joke in Rome is that it stands for Se Cristo Vedesse. Which, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> Hang on, James. <laughs> Let me explain. You don't need to explain the joke. <laughs> no, you're right. Let's move on. <laughs> But can um, you explain it, please? It just means, uh, so Christopher, it just means if only Christ could see this. It's a joke about the Pope being Flash. No, I get it. Oh, God. Okay, <laughs> move on. Um, these two guys who built this original Pope Bill that we were talking about, yeah. they own this company called OBAM, and they were the biggest vehicle builders in the country at the time. Um, they claimed to be the first people to make refrigerated trucks in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And this is the origin story of the company. They were in town one day having a pint. When they got a bus home, they noticed there were trucks going up and down the road and said, wait, we should start doing a business making trucks. <laughs> <laughs> and then they became the biggest truck makers in Ireland. Wow. And made the Popemobile. Awesome origin story. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and the other thing about this Popemobile, the original one that we were talking about, is there is a place to keep a gun. Uh, yes. And that was because U.S. Archbishop Pale Marcinkus was with the uh, Pope at the time. And he always carried a gun with him wherever he went. I love the sound of this uh, guy. And this guy, a deranged priest, attacked him once with a bayonet. Wow. Yeah, and so he always kept a gun by his side. Attacked the Pope. He was oh, oh, he was going for the Pope. What? A deranged priest. <laughs> Beautiful words. Ran at the Pope with a bayonet and this guy, uh Marcinkus, managed to thwart him. Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with his gun? No, with his bare fists. And oh, then okay. from then on, when they built the Popemobile, they built this little pouch underneath Marcinkus's seat uh, so that he could have his gun in there. The last time that there was an assassination attempt on the Pope, mm-hmm. um, it was this guy called Mehmet Ali Adche. 
Uh, and it was in 1981, and he, he'd actually escaped from prison in Turkey for another murder. But he tried to kill the Pope, and he went to prison, and he's been let out now, and he's done a bunch of things. First of all, he said he wants to meet the current Pope. So he <laughs> sure was, he does. <laughs> yeah, bring him over. <laughs> no, but he feels really Can bad. Can you bring the other Pope who retired as well? <laughs> <laughs> Can they get that open roof car that, that he loves getting in? He's, he's seen the error of his way, so he also wants to convert to Catholicism. And one of the first things he did was he went and laid uh, some roses at the John Paul II's tomb who is the guy that he tried to assassinate um, but he's also said in 2010 he said by the way guys I'm up for killing Osama Bin Laden if you guys want me to he made just statement. dress him as the Pope <laughs> <laughs> I think you're all being really cynical about uh, this recently reformed man. <laughs> He's also approached Dan Brown because he wants to write a book with him. What? Um, yeah, he wants to write uh, a book of uh, his life and adventures as a potential Pope assassin. But yeah, so I quite like that um, all these countries around the world have Pope-mobiles waiting to go. So occasionally yeah. they bring a Pope-mobile in a plane if the Pope is visiting a country. <laughs> so like the beast, like how uh, the American president has the, the big beast car that gets taken overseas in, in the planes. Mm -hmm. They do that. But most countries, like Ireland, have one. Well, Ireland used to have one ready. I don't think they'll be using that one for Pope Francis's <laughs> next visit. Just wipe it down. <laughs> okay, we need to have it returned, Pope, by seven, because there's a stag do for Mickey going on. And... Uh... <laughs> Okay, it's time for fact number three, and that is Andy. My fact is that there is no such thing as a manta ray. Okay, <laughs> so just to clarify what a manta ray is before I blow your minds. Mm -hmm. It's a type of fish. It's a type of fish. Of which there is no such thing. Mm -hmm. Yes. And this is another thing, which is already part of a no such thing thing, which is also a no such thing. Exactly, yes. It's become kind of an anti-matter podcast, hasn't it? <laughs> a dark matter podcast. Um, so there is a new... Uh, paper out about these things, manta rays. That, and you'll you'll know what I mean when I say manta ray. The absolutely massive sail-shaped fish that swim through the water. They're really huge. Sometimes you'll see it on the sidebar of the internet with one behind a lady in a bikini. Yes, it's what? a very popular meme. It's a photo that was taken where three people were having the photo in the ocean, and suddenly behind them a oh. manta ray rises up and is photo bombing them. Oh, ah. that's very nice. Okay, well, those things don't exist basically. Uh, so there's a new study uh, in the Zoological Journal of the Linnaean Society, and there are two species of manta ray, and there are nine species of mobula ray. And this paper is arguing that manta rays have basically been miscategorized and that they actually all fit into mobula. They're saying basically that they're all the same thing, but because mobulas were named first, yeah. that everything has to be called mobula because you're always named after the first thing that gets named. Yeah, mm. and these are not different enough, basically, to be their own genus. But the problem is, mobula is not a very common word, whereas manta ray is a relatively common mm. word. So people are just going to carry on calling them manta rays, even though they're not really called that. Yeah, I think even I may do, despite the fact that this is my fact this week. No, I think we should start the campaign. <laughs> Mobula's a funnier word, I think. Yeah, Mobula. Yeah. Mobula ray. Yeah. Mobula's a bit onomatopoeic as well. I bet they make a sound a little bit like Mobula mm. in the water. Do you think they do? Mobula. Do you think they yeah. name themselves? Yeah, yeah I assume, isn't that what all fish do? <laughs> <laughs> you ask oh. them what they're called, they tell you, then you kill them and put them in a museum. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you name them Alfred, which is what the reef uh, manta is called. What? 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 It's called Alfred. It's called Manta Alfredi. Oh, that's cool. That's his name. Oh, yeah. Is he named after Batman's butler? That's right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's named after Queen Victoria's son. 
oh, Alfred, yeah. who was the first British royal to visit Australia. Yeah. So they were so excited about getting a proper royal over that uh, they named a mantra after him. We actually got an email about this a couple of weeks ago from a guy called Rich Horner, who works out in Bali at the exact spot where they were doing all of these Do tests. you mean he works out in Bali or he works out in <laughs> Bali? <laughs> he works out in Bali and between gym sessions, he <laughs> wrote us an email. Uh, so he wrote us an email saying he's been dying to tell us this for ages because he listens to our podcast and it's been known for a while. Um, so he said, news just in, there's no such thing as a manta ray. They've just been reclassified oh. as big devil rays, brackets, mobula rays, after a DNA study of them. I work in Bali on Nusa Lembongan, which I believe is an area <laughs> that's pronounced differently, <laughs> where we work with Marine Megafauna Foundation team to ID the manta rays here, creating a database of them all. We thought we had 30 to 40 of them 10 years ago, but by using their unique spot patterns on their chest and belly, we worked out that there were over 600 individuals here on our island. Um, so the project was set up there by Andrea Marshall. Andrea Marshall was a subject of a natural history documentary called Andrea, Queen of the Mantis. And she was visiting the other day, giving us an update presentation on her current research and then dropped the bombshell that her geneticist colleagues were writing a paper describing them as just big devil rays. I've been itching to tell you guys this for ages. There so that's we go. Quite cool, yeah. Huh. And he's offered that if we want to go swimming with these new mobula rays, uh, we're more than welcome to in Bali. Yes. Yes, please. Mm. Yes, please. Yes, please. Yep. Do you think, was there a huge gasp in the <laughs> conference where she announced that actually manta rays were just devil rays? I reckon some people stormed out. I think you're right. A few fainted, maybe. Yeah. Would, it is big news. It's huge news. You study yeah. giraffes and you find out that they're actually just big deer. Yeah. That is huge. <laughs> that is what this is like. But there must be, like, people who study mobulars and people who study mantas. Yeah. And now there's only one job for those two people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sackings ahoy. Um, do you know they mate in a train? In a train? In a train of manta rays. So, like, a conga line. In a conga line. <laughs> yeah. God, you've been to some pretty spicy parties, haven't you, Dan? <laughs> if they're mating in a train, doesn't that mean you're always mating with someone who's actually mating with someone else who's actually mating with someone else? No. Oh, and is there always some poor mobula ray at the front who's <laughs> not getting any action? Unless they do it in a ring. Yes, unless yeah. it's a ring. Is it a ring? But that wouldn't be a train. That'd be a weird train. <laughs> it would be like a monorail. Yeah. Yeah. I've got the answer here. <laughs> we'll take um, it. So, no, it's up to 30 males follow around one female, oh. right? And she leads them on a dance and she tests their endurance to see if they're fit enough to uh, to breed with her. And eventually she selects one. She does a load of cool swooshy moves through the water. She is oh. she, a bit like the conga, isn't it? It is a bit like the, <laughs> the, the person at the front sets challenges. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. they do a dance, don't yeah, they? Yeah, you follow when the leg... Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, hey, yeah. yeah you gotta... And if you stay at, until the end, you get to have sex with someone. <laughs> is that it? <laughs> That's how it yeah. works, yeah. I love the conga. Um, <laughs> and eventually, the female at the front of the conga selects a single male and they mate. But That's they, cool. They, they are very social and they hang out sort of in, in groups together, don't they? So they eat socially, like, like humans, a bit, um, <laughs> sort of, in that they do what's called stacking. So there's one manta ray that will be at the front and that's the one who's doing most of the feeding and then he'll eat a lot or she will eat a lot of the plankton and then the other plankton will be whipped around around his body and then will feed into the gaping mouths of the people behind him and they switch round who's at the front ah, so they just uh, take it in turns who gets to be the prime it's feeder it's very nice it's, it's really sweet, sweet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah not if you're a plankton 
No, that's true. No one it's ever pretty thinks horrific. about the plankton. It's an absolute yeah. wipeout if you're a plankton, yeah. Because you, you think you've got past one of them. <laughs> you're like, thank God for that. And then another one comes <laughs> along. <laughs> there is an article called How Do You Stick a Camera on a Manta Ray that I read. Mm. Um, do you know how you do that? No. Uh, glue uh, super glue? Oh, um, I mean... I read that they're naturally incredibly mucousy, so wouldn't it just... <laughs> <laughs> they're coated in mucus. You lure um, them with so a handkerchief. That's <laughs> what you do. No, is it that you just pop it on them and the mucus... <laughs> no, well, that's one of the problems. So if you, they usually put things on um, fish like with a suction cup, but the skin of the uh, manta ray doesn't really allow for that. It falls off quite quickly. And so there were some scientists and they had some peanut, peanut butter with them. And so they decided to smear peanut butter on the camera, on the suction pad, and it worked miles better. And they stay on for like four or five hours now. Wow. That is amazing. Yeah. That's wow. Why, why do scientists have peanut butter, but yeah. not an adhesive, a scientific <laughs> yeah. kind of glue? And crunchy that or they smooth. Can use? Well, <laughs> that's the real question. Sorry, answer that. <laughs> I'll start with Anna's question. Uh, <laughs> I think with proper adhesive, it might be difficult because it might be toxic, I suppose, or yeah. you don't want it to stay mm -hmm. on forever. It's quite good that it comes off after a few hours. Yeah. All right. Uh, and I'll allow it. I've forgotten what Dan's question was. Crunchy so. or smooth. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually deliberately forgot. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, I, it must be smooth, right? Yeah. Um, there is one amazing website called elasmo-research.something. Um, and it just has a Q&A section about manta rays. It reads like it was written by a manta ray, basically. Uh, so <laughs> Just complete nonsense. <laughs> no, it says, is it true manta rays have rescued fishermen? Uh, and the answer is probably not. <laughs> if, apart from breeding season, manta rays are not terribly interested in one another, they're probably not interested in hapless fishermen either. <laughs> Ooh. I know. They can recognise themselves in a mirror, we think. We Can think they? we're not sure, but if that if true, that is massive because no fish has ever been shown to recognise itself in a mirror. How did yeah. so? When you say we think, um, it's about how they act in front of the mirror as uh -huh. opposed to acting in front of another manta ray. So, for instance, if I was to put um, a spot, I've got a marker in my hand. If I was to put a spot on your forehead and then showed you a mirror, you would likely, because you are an intelligent human, kind of try and wipe it off. Got it. And so, if you did it to an animal, if you did it to, let's say, a, um, a shrew and put a dot on the head, they wouldn't recognise that it's their head with the dot on it, so they wouldn't try and wipe it off. Okay. And if you did it to some primates, they would. If you did it to an elephant, they would. And I think what you're saying is manta ray would as well. Well, right. although the way they tested it with the manta rays Peanut this butter. time... <laughs> uh, excuse me, you've just got a little bit of... Um... <laughs> ...was nothing as advanced as that. Oh. They said that they put a mirror in front of the manta rays, and they noticed that the manta rays, first of all, they didn't seem to try and attack or interact with the thing in the mirror, which implied that they knew it wasn't another <laughs> manta ray right. and second of all they blew bubbles and made odd body <laughs> movements as if they were showing off their own bodies in front of the mirror wow so i believe it i completely dig it and i think they do save fishermen actually <laughs> <laughs> i think they're very sweet Okay, it is time for our final fact of the show, and that is Chazinski. My fact is that the former mayor of Bogota once hired 420 mime artists to make fun of traffic violators because he believed Colombians fear ridicule more than they fear punishment. Mm. 
And oh, what's well. he called? He's called Antanus Mocus. I call him Antanus Mocus. I bet you do, yeah. It's <laughs> not his name. Oh my God, he's called Mocus. And I he know. hired people to make fun of other people. Yeah. It's perfect, isn't it? Yeah. You'd think next he's going to get Antanuses. <laughs> <laughs> it's not his name. <laughs> anyway, this guy, Antanus Mocus, is such an awesome guy. And so he was mayor a number of times and he changed Bogota in so many good ways. So this policy really worked. He fired all the traffic police because they were <laughs> (laughs) known for being very corrupt and taking lots of bribes and he at first he replaced them with just 20 mime artists and they would do things like they'd if a pedestrian crossed the road at the wrong time or um, if someone's waiting in traffic and is about to skip a red light the mime artist sort of chase them or go up to their window and like make mocking gestures at them and they found that it really worked and it reduced reckless driving and reckless pedestrianing and so he added 400 more (laughs) but if you hired mimes to replace your traffic cops I think of traffic cops as basically mimes yeah they are mm. they're just sort of doing the gesturing like come on or no you stop over here yeah, when they're true. doing stop it's like they're in a tiny invisible box <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> How do, if you fail the mime exams do you bump down and become a traffic cop <laughs> yeah that's how it goes um, the other thing about that is if you like mimes I don't think that many people do like mimes but if you like them maybe you would deliberately break the rules so that they came over and you know when you're driving yeah. and there's like an electronic sign and if you're going over 30 miles an hour it does a little sad face Yeah. and I deliberately go at 31 miles an hour so that I get the sad face. It might be like that. Because you like sad faces. Yeah. Yeah. But it does a happy face if you go under. Yeah, who wants a happy face? Oh dear. No wonder my text messages from you are so passive. <laughs> 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 See you later, Anna. Frown. <laughs> uh, yeah, he is an amazing character, isn't he? Oh, he thank did you. this. He... <laughs> he used to go around in uh, the streets wearing a Superman outfit, uh, claiming to be a character called Super Citizen. Mm-hmm. He's just one of the. Oh. It's just one of those crazy cool guys. He did. I mean, he didn't just do that for no reason. He did that while cleaning up the streets. Yeah, he's so cleaning up the streets of crime. He would like. Well, I think it was rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> That is a crime, though, dropping rubbish. (laughs) But that's not what, like, Batman means when he says he's cleaning the streets. (laughs) That's Batman's day job, actually. That's how he made all those billions. Get the Just recycling, like, um, old bottles. (laughs) (laughs) No one's honest you can bring mugs back when you've drunk your mulled wine, you get two pounds back. That's how he makes his money. To the bat bottle bin. Yeah, so he did, he did that. He also did a really cool thing, which is he launched this idea, which was called A Night for Women. And the idea was that all the city's men stayed at home in the evening, caring for the children, and the city's 700,000 women would go out. Um, and, and him. Just, and him. <laughs> Dressed as Superman. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, he's yeah. just an interesting character, yeah. isn't he? And the idea of being that women felt uncomfortable sometimes because uh, some people thought some parts of Bogota were dangerous at the time and they feel much more comfortable if they go out and they don't see any men around, which I can tell you guys. I'm so glad you're here to uh, <laughs> actually qualify the things I've said. <laughs> I've just gone for the headline. <laughs> <laughs> and it really worked. So um, he cut homicide rates by 70% and he cut traffic fatalities by 50%. And he was actually a mathematician so the reason people part of the reason people liked him was that he was a math professor who actually was sort of fired 
from sort of had to quit his job in 1993 because he was giving a lecture and the students in his lecture theatre weren't listening very hard and so he dropped his trousers and mooned them all and shortly afterwards resigned from the post of maths professor at the university and instead became mayor. But <laughs> He said when they asked him about that, he said innovative behaviour can be useful when you run out of words. And that was his thing. He was saying, no one's listening to me, no matter what I say, so I'm going to show them my ass, and maybe they'll listen. And that's, like Anna says, that's how he became famous. And then once he became famous, then he started going into politics. But hiring the mime sounds like um, he's also run out of words there. Yeah. You know, he's hiring people who aren't using words to solve another problem. He's a man of action. Yeah. He sounds amazing. Yeah. He is awesome. He brought the, the amount of money that was earned for... The city uh, way up, didn't he? Um, yeah, taxation. He yeah. said people could have a voluntary tax. That's They'd right. Volunteer to pay ten percent more tax, and, and thousands of people did. Yeah. So another thing he did is that he asked people to call his office if they came across a uh, very honest taxi driver, because he wanted to. <laughs> 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 One hundred fifty people called, and he organised to meet them all, and he came up with a group name for them, which was the Knights of the Zebra. And <laughs> the idea was that they were just giving good impressions of good taxi drivers who exist on the beat. And if you were good, you might then become a Knight of the Zebra. Wow. Yeah. That's he, quite good. Which is a seriously cool title, which you definitely would try to be. If I was called a Knight of the Zebra, I would be better at my job than I am. Um, I was reading a bit about mimes for this fact. Oh, sure. yeah. Um, did you know that uh, Marcel Marceau but pretty much the only mime anyone can ever name. <laughs> um, he once released an album called The Best of Marcel Marceau. No, uh, he didn't. No, as well. It's a. Well, I'm getting to that, Dan. Oh, okay. There was once an album release called The Best of Marcel Marceau, which was 19 minutes of silence and then one minute of applause. Uh, and then the other side was exactly the same. That's very good. But it was produced as a joke by MGM. And his name was slightly misspelled on it, so we think it wasn't him. But, 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 he once, this is true, could not perform because the sound system failed. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Yeah. He was doing a sketch, and it was a show in America in 1980, and um, it was accompanied by music, but then the music didn't work, so he said, this isn't going to work at all. So he just bowed, and uh, the curtains closed. Right. Yeah. Um, I just have one more creative thing people are doing to stop traffic violations. Oh, yeah. Um, so in Shenzhen in China they have a problem with traffic violations and they've tried all these creative ways of stopping them so one of the things is that if you're caught jaywalking then you're punished by being turned into a traffic warden and you have to <laughs> you, have, you have to catch the next jaywalker and they make you wear this like oh my God. <laughs> that's a brilliant idea it's, it's good, a isn't great it? game and you have to wear a green hat because apparently saying you're wearing a green hat in China is offensive so that you have to wear the fluorescent cuckolded. green exactly because it means cuckolded yeah. so it's offensive you're Wait, so kidding would this be immediately on the spot it's on the spot yeah you and just then, have to take over the job of the yep. current traffic warden yep if you're in a rush to get to work too bad you've got to put on your fluorescent green do they hat. get your job uh, <laughs> um, but another thing they're doing as well as that is they are stopping people from leaving their lights on high beam by when the police see someone with the lights on high beam they pull the car over and they make the person get out of the car and stand facing their own car with their eyes straight into the high beam lights <laughs> and stare at the bright lights of their car for five minutes no. yeah. wouldn't that send you blind uh, no, no it's just a bit annoying no, no. Yeah. I beam? mean it would in the short term you would have lights in front of your eyes when you close your eyes yeah, but you, yeah. you wouldn't go blind. It would know. make you an extremely dangerous driver as soon as you set off again in your <laughs> <Yeah>. car. <laughs> That's true. But it's like to punish you for drink driving, you've got to down this bottle of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, that's it. That is all of our facts. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to get in contact with any of us about the things that we have said over the course of this podcast, we can be found on our Twitter accounts. I'm on at Schreiberland, James at Eggshapes, Andy at Andrew Hunter M, and Jasinski. You can email podcast.qi.com. That's right. We can also be reached on our group account, which is at QI Podcast, and you can go to our website, no such thing as a fish.com, that has all of our previous episodes. It has a link to our upcoming tour in October and November. It's also got a link to our book that's coming out in November, the book of the year. So please pre order that now if you can. And also, if you like this episode and you want to discuss this episode, you want to bring in your own facts, you've got things to add, every Monday from now on, we are going to be doing a Facebook Live in which we deconstruct all the things that I got wrong in each episode, (laughs) as well as adding facts we didn't manage to get in on time, new information we found out, as well as answering any of the questions you guys might want to ask us about that week's episode. So tune in. We're going to be doing it at 5 p.m. on a Monday. We'll put a link up on our Facebook page and on our Twitter to confirm the time. But why not join us? It's going to be awesome. Okay, we'll see you there. Goodbye.